It's time to decide. You must choose your subscription box. Do you want fluffy, fuzzy things? Do you want a watch that you'll barely even wear? How about more collectibles to fill the shelves in your room? No! You don't want that. You want horror movies, and you want them on DVD. No, you want them on Blu-ray. Well, buddy, it must be an omen, because here I am, and here's HorrorPack.com. Join HorrorPack.com for $19.99 a month and get three killer DVD movies plus one exclusive. Or join up for $24.99 a month and get three Blu-ray blood soakers and an exclusive each month. There, now you've made up your mind. Or I have. HorrorPack.com for the best scare anywhere. I don't know a whole bunch about the movie I did, so... Yeah, I didn't... I, I don't have a lot of questions that okay. pertain directly to the movie. Okay. So I'll try and fill in technical type questions and that sort of thing. Sure. And if something you don't want revealed is getting revealed, let us know so we can get rid of it. Okay. Yeah, it'll just... It... This... Why do you look at me? Because <laughs> he's embarrassed. Oh, okay. Because he didn't shut his phone off. <laughs> Gentlemen, Mark Cho recommends you put on your headphones now to listen to. Hey everybody, and welcome to another TV Rally the Podcast. This week we have Patrick Sheeta on the uh, microphone with us, and uh, we get a little serious there talking about the movies that he's making and he's writing and his ideas of getting to those points. Also, we talk about the movie Rednecks, which I happen to be in. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of TV Reality, the podcast. We'll see you at the end. Bye. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to the our show. This is another director's spotlight. When do we start doing this? Uh, right in this minute. Okay. And, uh... So we all know Chris, and we all know this voice. Uh, but the gentleman we'll be talking to today is Patrick Sita. Shetta. Shetta. Like an invisible H. Oh, like an invisible H. So Shetta. I'd say I, I didn't know that. Because, honestly, Skip was telling me it was Sita. So, but then again, his last name is Lapicus, and you Lock look at this. it, and you're like... Lacapus. Yeah. He's French. Yeah. Yeah. It's French. No, it's Greek. But, uh, so, maybe that's why we get so many listens in Greece. All the Lepikas family over there. Waiting for him to show up on the show? Waiting for him to show up on the show. Yeah. He even, he grumped at me because he ran into your wife at, at Orpheus. Yeah. And he's like, how come you didn't tell me he was going to be on the show? I'm like, well, you can come and be on the show if you want. Dead. Just, just totally ghosted me after that. I'm like, Hello. Hello. I was like, then you could say you were on the show and I won't bother you anymore. Well, it's, just, it's the same thing with me, though. I mean, I will yeah, make ugly. movies all, all day, but I'm not going to get in front of the camera. Skip or record anything you want, yeah. as long as it's not him. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not recording it. We are. That's my point. He doesn't want to be on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, I know. 
But um, yeah, I'd like to kind of know because um, I don't think you ever actually told us. And then after seeing you in the background of that other thing you're you're doing, uh, which I got a big kick out of, it's like it's like where where oh there he is Watchmen yeah yeah oh yeah the Watchmen oh just a little thing <laughs> yeah that small that small role. Um, how did you get into the whole idea of wanting to to do this and then into writing rednecks and the other stuff that we'll be talking about hopefully in a little bit <laughs> yeah so the writing. It, it goes back farther than the acting, probably. Yeah, right. uh, so my my background is as a musician. Oh, very cool. So songwriting has kind of been a focus of mine for a long time. Although I haven't really done anything musically for the past 10 years or so. But I, I did extensive songwriting um, when I was much younger, like 40. <laughs> um, so a few years yeah. ago, because we're all covering that bass. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my most productive music years were probably late thirties, early early forties. Um, anyway, that's when I was doing a lot of my writing. So I guess the film might have come first. So I was also um, in in music and in, in high school and stuff. But right around that time, um, John Hughes. So I come from Chicago, and John Hughes was doing all his movies there. Mm-hmm. So there's a big um, yes, big interest, quintessential eighties yeah. movies. Um, and I had a, a high school friend who was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, there you go. Um, I had some friends audition for you know, Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful and, and just a, a lot of things, Uncle Buck, and a lot of things that were going on at that time. I love Uncle Buck. And uh, I actually had done a couple auditions. Um, one, one was um, Summer School with Mark Harmon, although that was not a, a Hughes film. Uh, that was one I specifically remember. Didn't that become a... TV show? I believe so. Not with Mark Harmon. But no, yeah. not with Mark Harmon. Yeah. yeah. I like that one too. That was great. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was exposed to theater. Uh, our high school had a huge theater program. I was in the music program. I had done pit orchestra for a lot of the performances. So kind of the arts was always in there. Yeah, all right. You know, college comes along. I didn't play at all. Um, post-college, played out in bands, played around the bars and all that stuff where you know five people show up and all that and then family comes along and I pretty much shut it down until later on when they uh, well, I guess my third child my daughter was born right when I was really giving it the final go she was born when I was about 40 so it's really giving it the go and then that kind of helped shut it down I'm not going to blame her for that but no no uh, that usually is what puts the brakes on a lot of things yeah. like a lot of I don't want to say dreams, but just a lot of more frivolous careers. Yeah. And I certainly would not like say that I was... Extracurricular would... budgeting yeah, issues. exactly. Oh, I like that. Um, That's good. Too many letters, though. At that time, you know, there's still smoking in bars and stuff. So if I'd go out to a show and you're playing at 11 o'clock and you come get home at 2 a.m. Yeah, you stink. So i got to take a shower and then have to get up in the morning and go to the regular job. It's just a difficult thing. And when you've been chugging at it for a while... No pun intended. Um, <laughs> and you kind of have to evaluate whether your view of success is happening or not. And I would say that I wasn't uh, have a self-perception of success. It was just kind of a pain. And my daughter comes along and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm okay with this. You know, my wife would be, no, 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 don't give up because of her. And I'm like, I'm not. She's, she's helping me make a decision that I should be making. So, so that kind of laid off that for a while 
Um, but I did um, kind of get into songwriting more. I, I, I would take a commuter train into the city. It was probably about a 40-minute ride. The L? Or it, just the actual it, train? It, yeah, it was the train. <laughs> suburbs into downtown. And I would just write lyrics and write lyrics. So I always liked, uh, I don't want to say deep lyrics, but really, really intentional, not like, yeah, 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 baby, baby, baby type of things. Like, there's a story to it. Yeah. So a lot of times when I'd be sitting there writing, I would think of a much bigger story and say, well, here's here's all these things. So how can I condense these down into... Like Jack and Diane. Maybe, yeah. I'm just saying yeah. that that basically, if you listen to that song, that song, it's a story. Yeah. Springsteen was great at that. Yeah, Springsteen was good at Billy Joel does does a lot of really good ones. Yeah, which is interesting because I used to listen to those earlier Billy Joel albums when I was a kid, mm-hmm. so that was kind of my influence. Um, and then definitely Rush influence where, you know, there's story there. <laughs> I love Rush. Um, so I would, I would just write and I'd, I'd distill these big stories down into smaller things. And usually my best lyrics that sometimes got made into songs would be... Uh, you know, first verse, and the listener would be like, I know what this is talking about. Chorus, yep, I know what this is talking about. Second verse, wait a minute, I think I've been misunderstanding this. And then the chorus again, which are exact same words, but now the whole song has a different meaning because right. of something that was revealed. Kind of like the the Sixth Sense type movie type of thing. I really like that. So Spoilers. You, so you have this big uh, story that, that changes over the whole course of the song, and it could be dark, or it could get brighter, or whatever. So as we get closer to now, and um, I was kind of uh, moved to Atlanta, definitely there's the film influence happening. Um, we live right down by uh, Sonoya where Walking Dead is done, so we're around a lot of the stuff, at least pertaining to that. Uh, I kind of got interested, you know, maybe this would be a, an interesting creative route to go. So I, I started kind of pulling out these old stories that I had been thinking that had become these little songs and go, mm-hmm. here's the basis of the story. It's about this woman who blah, 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 and this. And then a lot of times I would rewrite them into something else, but at least I had these seeds of things that I had thought through very deeply before rather than just sitting down and sitting in your kitchen and say, I want to write about something here. I have a knife in my hand. What can I write about this knife? And a lot of filmmakers will do that, long screenwriters. And, uh, but I didn't have Mr. to. Mr. David Lynch, and you just shoot the knife and then go on about whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Shoot this knife. Thanks. <laughs> I'll cut that in later. I see those as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, wanting to kind of get into this new art form of the filmmaking, um, one of the ways, so back to your very original question mm-hmm. is, how do I get into the industry and meet people and figure out what's going on around here? Extra background actor so I applied for a bunch of things um, actually not too many things um, I only did it for about three months but I was on quite a few things uh, Stranger Things The Banker which is about to come out uh, Just Mercy which is about to come out um, Watchmen um, I did a bunch of things right in a row some BET show um, probably about three months and then and then I stopped but so I'm the type of guy that goes to a concert and watches the roadies and watches the sound guy and the light guy. I do that too. So, you know, this, it played the songs I like, but otherwise I'm like, hey. I, I remember, okay, here's an interesting story. So I, huge Rush fan in high school. Uh, first concert ever was Signals, 1984. I knew I liked him. Mine was Roll the Bones. Yeah. Um, so we, we, my brothers and I, who were also Rush fans, were, uh, would uh, 
we would you know study the album covers and any information that was available at the time and we kind of knew the names of all the guitar techs and Skip Gildersleeve and Tony Geranios and all those guys so we used to sit there and watch and see if we could spot the guitar tech I think that's Skip Gildersleeve right there so oh yeah that's a cool song too but hey did you see how they do that and you know so we were always kind of fascinated by the technical side of things back to the film stuff I'll be on these things being a background actor and I'm watching I'm watching the DP and I'm watching how unionized everything is so these people can only touch these things and, and how that that's that was interesting but just watching how they operate and watching who gives orders to whom and and who does what and how they do lighting and and what you see is that none of it in its specific units are difficult mm-hmm. it's just the whole organization of everything together is a very complex process yeah, but it's kind of like an anthill yeah 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 you yeah. got everybody's got their place and as we've seen from doing the 48s and, and 72s and 100 hours and all that, if you don't have people who know what they're supposed to be doing, it's just, I mean, that's literally the only explanation for it. It's yeah. just, and uh, I got to say, I mean, on yours and on uh, Iridescence, which is the, the series I'm in. Streaming series. Streaming series. That's what he calls it. <laughs> you guys have got it down pat because you know who you got to talk to and who you got to get and who you got to hire to keep everything running as smoothly as possible. And then we'll invite them to one of our sets and see how it's really not done. <laughs> yeah, and I remember being on one set. I can't remember which one it was, but I couldn't figure out who the director was. So obviously, the AD is running the show and all that stuff, and I'm like, who's the director? And it was it was in a, one of the courthouses, and it was kind of dimly lit, so off in the edges. And... That was just mercy. So it was the last scene of the whole movie. And I was just trying to figure out, I'd spent an hour or two trying to figure out who the director was. And you'd just hear, uh, Jamie, could you do that again? You know, just this little voice. I'm like, who's saying that? Out of nowhere. <laughs> and then finally, you know, he came out and I'm like, all he's doing is sitting over there, you know, watching either a monitor or watching it in person. Yeah. And that's all he's doing is sitting there watching. And yeah. I personally like to be more involved with that, and you know, and out of necessity, we have to be. I like the more on hands approach. Yeah, I. W- I mean, the director doesn't have to do it, but I want to see the director having told the person and pointing at whoever he needs you to the AD to tell. Well, we get around that by not being able to afford a video monitor, so <laughs> I have no place to hide. But not even that. You want your thing to come out right. When I finally get around to doing the horror movie that I'm writing. Which he's actually doing. Yeah, I'm actually I'm 13 pages in and 14 pages in. Nice. So I'm going to be that guy who's like, hey, hey, can I just get you to move over here? M- more like you and you. and though, Because that's that's how I am. I don't want to be the guy who just sits back behind me. Oh, yeah. Could you just do that again, please? Yeah, please. Yeah, please. Yeah, I don't want that. That was a good, nice Kyle gas. <laughs> I don't, I don't want that because I've never been that kind of a manager. You know, I wasn't that kind of a business owner. I like being in the mix. That's why I really liked when I was on your set, even though I really wasn't having to do much due to the fact that I was an extra. Uh, though I do love being able to throw a ball of tin foil at Dylan. Yeah. Well, no, I'm supposed to throw it at Jason. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm supposed to throw it at Jason, uh, but I, I throw it at the, at the, the hippie. And uh, 
yeah, so I, I kind of got fascinated by the production side of it mm-hmm. and the, the, acti- the background actor, acting side. There's two things I noticed. That's not for me. And huge respect to the background actors that do that day in and day out and 15 hours a day for a basically minimum wage. Yeah. I'm like, man, I can't, I could not do that. I got to be moving. Yeah. And there's so much sitting around. Yeah, I was um, I was telling him that I didn't until I did it with you. I I know filming's a hurry up and wait. It just is, but I didn't realize it was hurry up and don't do anything. No knock on you, all the other extras that are there that do all these other shows and everything, and they're like, oh yeah, we just sit around for hours. I'm like, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll do a bunch of extra work and just, you know, get my face out on the screen. After they they told me that, I'm like, no, I'm going to stick to just trying to get acting roles. Even if I'm the guy in the restaurant eating a bagel, fine. I'll be the guy in the restaurant eating a bagel who goes, um, miss. Even if they're not even making a movie, you'll be the guy in the well, restaurant Well, that's true. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's put off your brows. Yeah, well, because <laughs> I'm being the fat guy, too. If you're there and a movie happens to break out, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, we just need you to sit there and eat that bagel. All right. I'm going to need a second bagel. <laughs> but, uh, so, you did the, the writing was through the music. Then you, you began to learn to direct and all that through being an extra and watching them. Mm-hmm. And Nothing beats practical experience. I mean, no, exactly. It. Yeah. Because you read it in a book, it's always, yeah. it's textbook. For lack of a better yeah, word, that's why business schools stink. Yeah. When you get out there, it's not because like it never goes. It never goes the way the book tells you it's going to go. Yeah. Because well, it does, and then it catches fire and burns, and then everything goes haywire. And and I had done music production too. So I oh, okay. The, in the studio mixing and, and all that stuff, all the way up to mastering. So the whole piecing some seemingly unrelated things together to make a song. Exactly analogous to filming a film out of order and piecing things together, mm-hmm. and that type of concept was kind of burned in there already. So yeah, right. maybe a little advantage. I don't know how much, but wasn't hundred percent new to me. Have yeah. you translated any of your songs into productions yet? Yes. So I think we were going to get into it. Yeah. What the, the origins of Rednecks? Yeah, that's um, uh, uh, the movie that I was asked to be in an extra in by you through Skip. <laughs> um, hey Skip yeah, we know you're not listening um, where did that come from the idea for Rednecks or you might could just tell people what Rednecks is well yeah that, that as well so where it came from is where I should start so um, mm. Tom Tom Tran who starred in it lead character um, is a friend of mine for years uh, um, for all you who don't know Tom Tran he was actually the young teenage boy in Good Morning Vietnam yeah, so he did that um, 84 or whatever. I think he was in high school. I believe that um, he actually did it during you know high school year. I, th- I can't remember exactly, but it was he was a kid. Anyway, so he chose to, um, and I don't know the whole history, but seek his profession and have a family and all that stuff, but he didn't focus on the acting like a lot of folks would have with early success. Mm-hmm. So he's done things. He's done uh, some films, uh, I, I think short films and, you know, nothing as major as that. Um, voiceover work, television, uh, he's kind of been in it. But, you know, when, when you're an artist and you step away from it, it's always in there, right? You know, I was a musician and the first thing I do is I see your bass and I want to pick it up. You can't help it. It's always in there trying to get out. So I feel he's probably in that situation. 
And here I am coming along wanting to do films, and he's wanting to dive headfirst back into high-profile acting. So I say to him, if I write a film, would you be in it? And of course, we're, you know, we're both like, of course, this is mutually beneficial to both of us. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a, a feature film starring him, and we were, we were all set to start uh, pre-production on it. In fact, we had been getting props and all this stuff, and, and um, it was a, a love story about him as he goes through time and all this stuff. But um, as we started honing in on money and not knowing proper crew in the area yet, and things like that, we kind of said, this is this is not going to happen. So, you know, here we all are feeling down. And then I said, why don't I just write a short? But it's going to be part of this. So there's one scene in the feature where the lead character is Tom as well as Mr. Swan. Mm-hmm. He goes into a particular place of business, which I can't say what it is because I can't tell you. Um, and he gets kind of racially harassed and picked on and so you kind of enter the scene as this tense uh vietnamese guy in the georgia south racist bully environment that it is and there's kind of this confrontation in this place of business and then it turns out they're actually friends and they're just jiving each other and you see um something that indicates they don't say it but it indicates that they've known each other for a while so we, that seemed to be one of the favorite scenes of people who were reading the script. So I said, let me write a short that's based upon how these guys met. So that particular thing that shows they were friends, that's the tie-in to this short. So that that's the ending of the short. So here's how they met. The short is kind of a backstory. Mm-hmm. So if you were to see the film, if we, if we do the feature and it gets filmed and that's all you've ever seen, then that scene's going to hold up just fine and it's going to be like, oh, that's neat. But... If you watch only the short, then it's going to stand alone as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people go, oh, that's neat. But if you have seen them both, you're going to see that there's quite a few uh, tie-ins between them. In fact, things that uh, the main character is wearing and the vehicle he's driving and things that are in his vehicle and, and his shoes and all these things. And then the the thing that ties the two movies together specifically that would be shown in both movies. If you would see both of them, you'd be like, oh, my God. This is absolutely uh, the same environment, the same character, and it's 100% tied into it. But you don't, you don't have to see both of them. So that was kind of the basis of, let me just write this backstory, and then um, having already had the other script, I know how that would go and, and his occupation and all that stuff. Um, and then the guy who racially jabs him is Alvin. So this is the two guys meeting. And I never say what either of their professions is in the short because doesn't matter in the short what their professions are. Right. But if you know that from the feature, then you'll you'll pick up on the little clues and even some of the things that Alvin says and does tie back to his profession. So that was kind of the basis for writing the short is a smaller thing that we could break off and actually accomplish uh, and get done, but then keeping the two themes tied together. And that, so to answer your question from earlier, that whole script was based upon one of my songs that I had thought out this big story and then whittled it down to this one song and then kind of expanded it out again. And then the feature was based upon, loosely based upon the story that I had originally thought. So that is one of them, a song that made it into a script. So is the song going to make it back into the movie? Probably not at all. I never recorded it professionally, just at home. On, on I know a guy. 
Really? Is he yeah. good? Yeah. yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I'd only His record place is just up the street. I'd only record it with him if he comes on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I should send him that. <laughs> be like, you know, he this wants to a, do this and this, but you got to be on the no, show. No, it's just an audio clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, no, you already have a song for the closing credits, you know. Yeah, that's true. It's not exactly the same though. It's kind of uh, mo- well. You can make it. You can make it more like what it has become if you really wanted to. A positive feedback loop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm kind of envious of that. What the positive feedback loop? No, I just like to be able to write the final music for movies. Oh, so we got into uh, Redneck mm-hmm. uh, up to where the story uh, came from and, yeah. and and his question and everything. Um, can we talk about it? Uh, a little bit. Okay. What can we say about it? What can, can you tell this. us about it? Okay. Yeah, um, that would be the the proper way to ask that question. So, what can be said about it? Lately, there's two styles that I I like writing. Um, and comic songs and <laughs> one of them being um, like I had said earlier about my songs, right. kind of the the sixth sense. Where you think you know what's going on all the way through it, and then something's revealed, and you're like, holy cow, and you watch it again, and you're like, man, I didn't look at all these little golden clues that were all along, and you didn't catch them the first time. So I really like the like the double pass stories. And then I like uh, the stories lately. This is just kind of where I'm at now. Um, the uncommon coincidence backstory or history of two folks. So... You know, maybe you are driving somewhere and you get a flat tire and then someone comes to help you and then it turns out they know somebody that you know who ironically has to do with tires or, or something yeah. like or that. Or that's the guy's house. That's the guy of the house you were going to or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so loosely like this coincidental backstory type of thing. And that's what Rednecks is. The main character, Swan, who is Vietnamese goes to this um, all-Caucasian barbecue competition. So it's just a um, big, big, fat, white, redneck competition. <laughs> a lot of skinny, tattooed guys there. They're, like they're, I told they're you. fat in their heads. <laughs> it's barbecue. <laughs> they're fat. They just have a high metabolism. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> fat on the inside. Exactly. Um, they, they got an inner fat guy trying to get out. Um, so he goes to the barbecue, and he's paired up with the Alvin character. Mm-hmm. And Alvin only requires a partner because his buddy didn't show up. Right. The guy he always partners with didn't show up. Swan shows up and they're like, oh, you guys are going to be partners and you have to have two people to be a team to compete. So as the story goes on, there's increasing bullying slash racial tension, not strictly racial. And um, and then it kind of explodes into, into drama and then it kind of reveal that they have this plausible coincidental backstory between them and then they kind of bolt back off and like oh maybe this guy's not so bad type of thing between them that's all i'll really say what it's about but th- this would fall into that type of theme that i focus that, on that does kind of actually cover what we did there so yeah so i, I mean i enjoyed doing i enjoyed being chug at, for all intents and purposes i'll explain the name i was not named originally i was just another barbecue guy the gentleman Dylan who's playing the hippie comes to my table slams his hands down his says something derogatory to me but on a water bottle 
on my table, it had big block letters that spelled out Chug. And he just grabbed that and it became my character's name. And in my IMDb, it, it, it says Chug. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that and I about fell out of my chair laughing. Mm-hmm. I was expecting, you know, barbecue contestant number three or creepy fat guy with the beard. I was more than happy to to take that name. Yeah, and we're we'll we're in editing right now, but we are gonna use your voice on it. Where you're like dirty hippie or whatever you say. Oh yeah. And uh, you probably won't see it coming out of your mouth, but you know, as he's ducking away from you. There was another character who was kind of telling a nonsensical story sitting on the pickups. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of wanted to give the people who maybe were vocalizing and acting maybe a name. But all the background, I said, you know, give background chatter and make it seem reasonable. And a lot of the people were like, oh, did you see their barbecue? They're going to fail. And they're saying real things. Mm -hmm. And and when you get it all mashed together, it'll, it'll be fine. So everybody basically had speaking roles that will probably be mixed in in some way. But... But like your character and the other guy and maybe another one, a um, little bit more focus to him. Yeah. I also do the what kind of look too. <laughs> well, even more important is is the first day of shooting we did where you have to kind of give a questionable scowl to the Oh, yeah. When I walk up. by him, yeah. Yeah. And that was interesting because it, it was interesting to shoot it because we kept reshooting because of you. Because we had See? the certain... just me. It was his fault. Shut up. There, there was a certain... Um, width uh, of reasonable walk area that mm-hmm. that would be... And I would step out of it because, you know, I got that swinging gate. I would step out of it. What would happen is we, we told him to kind of like turn and give this scowl to this mm-hmm. other character, but he wasn't in frame enough. So what, if, if you were there and you saw him doing this action in real life, he would come like way across the area, give the scowl, and then go way back. So in real life, you'd be like, that's extremely exaggerated move. But on the film, it, it comes across that he just turns around and looks and then goes yeah. on his way. Yeah. But we had, he wasn't the only reason we kept reshooting it, but it was like, come in farther, come in farther, because we're just getting just well, outside Also, of the, the original the original start point with, for that was further up the line, basically the aisle, because as it's set up, there was tents like this. And I was like up here, and I would have to walk down. And by the time I got there, it was past the point where he wanted me to give the glare. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I mean, I, I'm wearing the same boots. Uh, <laughs> there's no way I was running in his backyard to do that because I would end up with a broken ankle and laying on the floor, and Skip would have had to drive home. Uh, and I already know how he drives, and that ain't happening in my car. <laughs> so. Uh, so it, they kept moving me in and down, and I ended up just starting on the other side of that 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 gal, mm-hmm. and like almost all already in frame, and then I'd go back behind another yeah. curtain. It looks perfect now. But, cool, but yeah. So so that one is great because it's right at the beginning where the the questionable looks are starting and and things, and you're one of the first ones to do it, and it works perfectly. And then. And then uh, yeah, I've later been, with I've been told I make a I do a, a convincing grumpy person. <laughs> He's quite method. Yeah, <laughs> I've done another since then. I've done another uh, fairly important topic uh, bit. I was just and Tim asked me for some information yesterday. Uh, I did a I was the group leader of a PTSD group. Information. 
Yeah, a shot, a headshot, and info oh, about oh, my oh, bio. Information about you. Yeah, no, not, yeah, like, not you. He's, like, no. he's not asking you about PTSD groups. No, yeah, he knows I don't know any. <laughs> um, he's not doing his research for his movie through you, is he? <laughs> Well-known veteran? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> this is an all-vet group. And we did this thing, and they he asked some of them to tell their real stories. And that, and we have his card. The one guy really, I mean, you could tell this was it. This was the story. And I felt like, and I didn't do it, and I should have, but I think it would have changed everything. I felt like after this guy got done, getting up and giving him a hug. It's like this, you need this. Just here, let the fat man hug you. And uh, But then again, he might have beat me to death, so who knows. And you wouldn't have been framed. And I wouldn't have been framed, yeah. <laughs> it's a problem with you. <laughs> It's hard to believe I'm so big. Um, so I've now done yours, which deals with racism, and I've done this one. You know, it really has, I'm not really all that closed-minded, honestly, but it really makes you look at things a little bit differently. It's very interesting. And these guys, holy shit, that shoot we were on, mm-hmm. it's the deepest shoot I think I've ever been on. I mean, it, you could just feel, you know, you could just feel the tension in the room. Everybody's sitting down, and we're all buddies. They're all, you know, and a couple of us know each other from the Westerns that we're doing with this same guy. And you you sit, you sat down in that room, and right after I come in and I say, all right, let's get this meeting started, it amps up to 11. Mm. Or to me, it did. I don't know about you, but... I was just worried about keeping you in frame. Yeah. You were doing a wide shot the whole time, so I wasn't in frame. Your camera's not in the right spot. Um, but it was just like, wow. And the stories, and a couple of them weren't, they were written. But mm-hmm. some of the others were just like, holy shit. So. Awesome. Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. So, I love um, the deep subject. Yeah. So uh, when will Rednecks be viewable? So we're still in editing probably a week or two away uh, then we're going to go to post sound and all that stuff so we're going to probably miss uh, Atlanta Film Festival submission deadline but we are going film festival route um, it's a good idea it's uh, our intention to do a private screening um, in fact um, me and my wife have attended a few in the past few days and uh, see how they're done and see what you know people are doing and, and just, just how to organize it and what we should expect uh, from them so you know We'll let you know, and we'll tell you how it went. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Um, well, that was great. Uh, you can leave now. <laughs> yeah, but we, so we'll do that. So when we'll see it, when when someone like you would see it, uh, I can't say for sure, but we do want to do a private screening, and then it's off to festivals. Are you going to put it on the interwebs? Um, I only ask because I know my parents <laughs> would want to see it. I mean, Where do they live? Dunwoody. I mean, they would come to the screening, but if it's too late at night, they won't be there. Because, you know, they're my dad's 80, and my mom thinks he can't drive anymore. And I don't disagree, but he does a good enough job to get him where he needs to go. We've put together a private screening before. Yeah. Well, yeah, at my bar, at my brewery. Yeah, just get you a location. We, we know a guy with some sound equipment, and uh, <laughs> we actually know somebody. Well, you know, I haven't talked to him in a long time. But, Who's that? Well... What's his name? I got a, had the projector and screen set up. Oh, yeah. 
All right. So um, why don't we, why don't we take a breather for a minute, and then uh, I will come back and I'll ask you about future products, products, projects, both. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Products oh, yeah. and projects. All right. So let's uh, cue some music. And there you have it, another successful Achieving Reality, the podcast in the can. I hope you all enjoyed this Patrick Sheeta episode. Uh, We do have one more coming up, and then we're going to be looking at some more interviews in the future. All right, so for Chris, rest in parentheses, and everybody else involved, we'd like to say thank you to Patrick Sheeta for all your time. See you next week. I hope not. Hey everybody, Larry here from Achieving Reality, the podcast. So you've missed the last few episodes, have you? That's cool. We got you covered now. That's right. Achieving Reality, the podcast is now on Spotify. Nice, right? So now you can listen to us on Podbean, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, and Spotify. We're growing and growing. I mean, wow. Follow us on Facebook and give us a listen on all of our new platforms and our old platforms. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Achieving Reality, the podcast. See you soon. Ooh. Ooh. You won? Kinda. We just got two press passes to Women in Horror Film Fest for next year. Wow.